one piece of advice for me is that from me is that I think that there are so many ways to get to to from zero to one and beyond. Then then you should not look at others and say, well, I'm not doing this or not doing this. To do what makes sense for you and try to do stay stay curious and open minded and, and work hard. And, and but there is no one way to achieve success. It's just millions of decisions that need to be made every every day almost in in, in, in when you're starting the business. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great uh, guest on the podcast. Giannis Vivera, that's as close as I'm going to get to pronouncing it right, uh, but Giannis, uh, starting out in his journey in uh, high school, uh, struggled to decide which direction he wanted to go after to, after high school, uh, wanted to do something uh, more general but analytical, and so ended up getting a uh, bachelor's degree in physics, and then also got a, a couple different uh, master's degrees in, uh, in Amsterdam um, in business information systems and systems management. Um, and then after that, started working for a business as uh, the first employee, uh, EU employee. Um, and then he managed to work his way up to managing the customer base there. And then moved over to an early stage startup uh, doing or doing localized um, sales management, uh, marketing and business. And then um, realized localized was missing some uh, generational gap components. And so him and a couple uh, co-partners uh, or co-founders started uh, the business they're doing today. So with that much as a uh, introduction, welcome on the podcast, Giannis. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you on. So... So I just gave a quick walkthrough to a much uh, longer journey. So why don't we uh, rewind and unpack that a bit? Um, so tell us a little bit about how your uh, journey uh, got started coming out of high school. Not sure what you wanted to do. Yeah, actually, I love the question because I think it really going back into someone's journey and hearing it, uh, actually can really understand how you can connect the dots moving forward, but not going backwards and. And uh, and and really, they they do connect for me. So, I did physics, as you mentioned, uh, in the bachelor, uh, be, really because I didn't want to do something easy or general. Uh, but I also didn't want to specialize too much uh, into something like medicine, for example. And um, I, I found physics to be a great uh, foundation for the for everything I did after, especially academically. Because they, you know, it just sets the foundation for for any discipline you want to go into. Um, it's quite it trains you to think analytically, uh, and um, and so and so. Then I actually after physics in Latvia, I moved to Amsterdam to study one master that wasn't so much fun. It was kind of strange. It, it was in management and health science, uh, yeah. but it it uh, somehow didn't click with me. It was too more, maybe too, too focused on social sciences uh, and after physics, it was too big of a gap. So I started another 
uh, master's in parallel. It was called Business Information Systems. And it, it was actually really helpful. Uh, we got a lot of practitioners uh, from the from the field coming in, telling their stories, how they, uh, and, and most of the times, uh, how they unsuccessfully built a big system for a bank or a government or an e-health system uh, and where things went wrong. And that's actually how I got into uh, the, the business I'm in right now, because I was writing uh, a master's thesis about requirements management software called JAMA um, that still exists. It's a good business. And I worked there as well after. But they, you know, we were really building out this uh, quite complex system in, uh, in Latvian state revenue service. And we used this, this strong uh, formal practice of requirements management to, to, to control um, the, how the system is being built and also the, the, the supplier network and how the external developers can contribute to the project. Uh, and that that that's what got me into SaaS. I uh, I went to to Portland, Oregon, uh, in two thousand sixteen, uh, to the headquarters of Jama Software. Really fell in love uh, with the vibe, with their attention to the customers, and love for the customers. And 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 then that's how I became the first European employee for for Jama. Is uh, you know they were planning to open um European operations anyways and I wanted to test out the waters and so I became an SDR for them and um and and, and now I'm back into the requirements management space building trace space which is basically uh modern AI enhanced requirements management uh platform so the the future of uh of product development I believe so now you were so you got went and you got the bachelor's physics and then you went and cut the couple master's degrees and so now you're maybe you're coming out of school and you started working for the the one business and remind me what the the name of that business was. It's called Jama Software. Jama. Uh, it's a uh, head, headquartered in Portland, Oregon, mm. um, and they do uh, requirements management for uh, enterprises. So let's say. Uh, a big uh, automotive car, uh, car maker, OEM, uh, like Ford, uh, uses a formal practice called systems engineering to actually document and specify how the car is actually going to be built. And different engineering disciplines need to work together uh, to, to, to write down that specification. And that practice is called requirements engineering. And, uh, and the JAMA is a platform built for engineering collaborating on this textual piece where different disciplines come together and say, okay, this is my mechanical engineering part. I'm writing these, these requirements and they ask others to review and um, electrical does the same and thermal and, and so on. I'm oversimplifying because the whole process is much more complex than that. But, but in principle, it's like a powerful... Uh, document editor where you can sort of collaborate on a, on specific pieces of the specification together with the other engineers makes uh makes perfect uh, sense so now you did that for a period of time and then i think as we uh, chatted a bit before you ended up uh jumping over to a, a more of a startup business and yeah. uh, working there for a period of time and what kind of 
what kind of prompted that move or kind of what made you to decide to, to switch gears? Um, yeah, I'm glad you asked because uh, actually I had a plan to move back from Amsterdam to Riga, Latvia for a while. And, um, and I was thinking that it's going to happen much later, but I also always wanted to bring back the, the knowledge about uh, B2B, about the selling to engineers back to, to my home country. Hmm. And um, and then this opportunity arised where I heard about this small Latvian startup called Localize uh, that doing they were doing about 1.5 million ARR at the time, uh, completely bootstrapped, small team, a small office in in old town in in the city, uh, but they were asking all the right questions and, and, and about. You know how to sell to bigger organizations, how to sell a technical persona, um, and uh, and and they already had some really good logos on their customer list, and so how I became their first head of sales. I had a small team of five people, and I joined, um, and then within three years, uh, we had a global remote scale up with three hundred fifty people. Uh, remotely in every continent and my team was 115 by the time I left uh, late last year to, to start Trayspace. So it was quite an intense experience, I have to say, uh, growing a, sm a small company to a, to a big co a big scale up that quickly um, and because you had to basically adapt and adjust and reinvent yourself every quarter almost. Uh, because the company just grows so fast that what did work a few weeks or months ago does not work anymore. And so you need to figure out uh, what do you need to change, whether the processes need to be adjusted, the tools, the your own patterns. Uh, and so it was highly demanding and highly rewarding experience uh, to, to, to show that we can scale uh, a product in a company uh, without ever going on site to sell or anything like that, we, we did a really good, really good business actually. Hmm. No, sounds it's like still it. a good place. Sounds like it was a, a good opportunity and uh, worked out well and presented a, a great uh, op or opportunity to do something new and uh, and pursue new skill sets. So, so now, how long were you? Uh, did you work for them, or how long were you were there? Uh, I was in localized from January 2020 till November uh, 2022, so almost three years. So now you were there for, you know, almost three years. And then I think at some point you mentioned, hey, saw maybe a bit of a gap in the marketplace mm -hmm. or you otherwise saw an area that could be improved and maybe that was being overlooked. So kind of walk us through a bit of, you know, how you, or what you figured out and kind of uh, what uh, prompted the the change or the, the shift in direction. Yeah, I think it's a really good question because this could be useful for a lot of people. Um, but my observation about uh, working at the different software scale-ups is that there is a generational difference between uh, what software, uh, or so B2, especially B2B software as a service, can and should do. So if, you, if we go back a long time ago, you know, companies received software on on uh, CDs uh, to put it on, on their own servers somewhere. 
and then uh, came Salesforce with their subscription and cloud-only model, um, and that kind of triggered a completely new era. Uh, and and over time, business software started to become or look like much uh, more like like consumer software. So it's it's often uh, gamified. It's uh, very easy to use, easy to figure out. It it has um, like some nice kind of fun features, and we all know the I don't know, the confetti in Carta or some you know emojis in Slack, where you you can users start to expect the same experience as they have in other types of software, also in their business. Uh, and, and the other thing is that. Uh, the connectivity and the openness and the flexibility of the tools are changing. So I saw at Localized that, um, that there is so much more now um, ability, like the, the APIs are just well-documented and very straightforward. Uh, the, the tool is configured for any workflow and, 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 and it doesn't really enforce some sort of opinionated way to do things on you. Um, and I realized that there's a, that's a big difference compared to, to the existing requirements management tool, tools in the market. Uh, and I think it, this can be applied to many disciplines, especially the more, more formal or more enterprisey, where uh, much more product-led, open, easy-to-use products are going to start disrupting the big old players, uh, you know, I don't know, something like that. Uh, it's, it's already happening in some some of the places, like um, in engineering, like it's, there's a thing called bombs uh, and bills of materials or uh, some sort of life cycle management that that uh, actually doesn't have to be so ugly and uh, hard to use. You need training to learn these tools. And so I thought the same about requirements. I think that in systems engineers, requirements engineers, People that build the innovations of the future deserve mm. good tooling, and that's what we set out to build with uh, with TraceFace is to to build an easy to use modern um, requirements tool that that does not need uh, months long training and configuration that you can just uh, get it get with a credit card online. Start try out some get the value try out the AI, uh, and then if you like it, you implement it a team and uh, eventually uh, company level much more bottoms up than uh, than the traditional sales where you you know had to mm. buy thousands of licenses, hundreds of licenses upfront without knowing whether you're going to get the value and when and how you're going to fill those seats that you that you just bought now so now you have you know you identify this gap you say okay there's you know i think there's an opportunity here we can do something mm -hmm. a bit different we can do it better um and so you decide okay you know with that opportunity now how did you start out or build a business around that or you know and because i think you also it was you and a couple other co-founders so mm -hmm. how did you kind of get started did you guys all quit your jobs and uh went there and uh you know just started the business all at once or did you do it as a side hustle or kind of walk us through yeah. a little bit of, of how the business got going um i think we have so basically we have three co-founders uh carlos uh 
and Mika Sanmit. And uh, Carlos is our technical co-founder. He's been building this uh, large enterprise system for the government uh, where you actually need to make sure that different uh, engineering on, and, and business analysts and all kinds of people can collaborate. So different stakeholders need to collaborate. And so he's been using the practices of systems and requirements engineering for a while. And, and so I told him this idea that, you know, I think that there could be a better requirements tool. And it was, I think it was 2021 in the summer. And, and so for about a year, um, not actively, but he had it in his mind. So he built like some sort of proof of concept, some prototype, some, so had some ideas, then he'll put, put it on a shelf and then, uh, you know, thought about it the same and he figured out another architecture for another product that he was building. Hmm. And, and then he showed it to me and Mikos in the summer, uh, of 2022, uh, he said, I think I, I figured out, the, I figured out the architecture of this product. And, uh, and, um, and I think that's a, sort of an important piece because it really de-risks the, the, the so-called technological risk, whether what we think we want to build is even possible to build. So pro conceptually, we knew that this architecture that he, that Carlos built actually will work uh, for the product that we think that, that we need to build. And, and, and that was an important aspect that gave us confidence to go forward. Uh, and we still had all, all, all of our jobs and we started interviewing the, the people from, from our networks uh, and, and just purely through cold LinkedIn outreach, we, we interviewed systems and requirements engineers in different disciplines, different types of companies. Uh, uh, and we didn't lead them into these questions. We actually simply asked them about their day, about their week, about, you know, what are the pains in their daily jobs? So, uh, and, and we crystallized that, uh, it is clear that there's a gap in the market that none of the tools fill, which is ease of use. So people, they said that they need to keep retraining people in, in, in using these requirements tools, uh, and that there is a, a gap in. Uh, ability to connect these tools to each other. So everyone wants to integrate their tool chain and, and these, um, all the legacy tools lack good APIs uh, that are stable enough to, to build good integrations or they're too complex. And so with, with, and some, and we actually did talk about AI with those people a bit as well. And it, it did not resonate as much as we thought at the beginning. But once ChatGPT came out, the, 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 also the mood in those design partner research interviews changed because they, they tried it and they realized, well, actually this could work in, in some ways. And so we started putting together a vision for a requirements tool, but where AI would be integrated in natively. And, um, and yeah, and so, so that was uh, fall last year. So. Q4 and uh, I quit my job because I already had enough conviction. We had the architecture, uh, we had the people telling us that there's something is, needs to be done. And uh, we kept interviewing these people and created uh, a strong, uh, solid story 
and um, and then that's when we went out to race uh, the end, mid-December last year and then finalized the pre-seed uh, fundraise, $1.5 million we raised uh, by the end of January. Hmm. And um, and then that moment also Carlos and Mikos left their jobs and we have been actively building the, the, the product, the company, the team uh, since then. Well, sounds like it was a great journey and uh, can or continue to, to move things forward and uh, figure things out. And sounds like, you know, I've had uh, good success in raising and building and bringing on the right people. So definitely uh, excited uh, to see where uh, the future takes or takes the business for you guys. So with that, now as we've kind of reached the present day of your journey, always a great time to uh, shift to the two questions always asked at the end of each episode. So we'll jump to those now. Uh, so the first question I always like to ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? And what'd you learn from it? I think as an, as an executive of a rapidly growing uh, B2B SaaS company, there was a lot of pressure in the past few years that uh, from the VCs and from from founders and other executives that hiring people is, a, is equate growth and and it does not matter uh, how much it costs to grow as long as you grow fast it's 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 fine uh, mm-hmm. and you know there was this mindset of of growth at all costs and um, I think the biggest mistake that I made is uh, kind of uh get into this hype and 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 you start believing that making this uh these seemingly rational decisions for like hiring hiring 50 people a quarter sort of that they make sense uh but actually they it does not make sense to hire a 50 people a quarter if you don't have the growth behind it uh, and 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 so I think that was the biggest mistake that I made as as a leader was not being more uh, firm on on what makes and what does not make sense. So you, like everyone's in this hype, hiring people, grow, trying to grow, uh, but but you look at the operational model, at the revenue model, and you you, you think about what is possible to grow mm-hmm. and and what's it's even like, what's realistic, and, and you 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 just can't imagine any way where something like like that kind of growth could happen or where it could come from, um, because there's no nothing in the business that indicates that kind of growth, uh, but then you hire people for the growth that is unimaginable. So I think that was that was a mistake, but uh, and and that the problem is that when you hire that many people you start to lose focus on the talent concentration and you hire just to fill the seats because you need the people to be to be in the in place for the expected growth and uh, that's the biggest learning for me we're very focused in trace space to keep up the the, the talent concentration uh, which is uh, what uh, Steve Jobs talked about also uh, it was the you know a players want to Work with work with A players, and they they start to self police, and that's what we are trying to do. Is is we want to hire the best people that we can, 
and every person will you know be smarter than the rest of the team and, and in some ways in some areas and we'll all learn from 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 that and 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 then uh, hopefully those people will also have people smarter than them and, and so on instead of the downward spiral of talent concentration when, when you're over hired and then the people that might you know not be experienced or skilled enough start to hire people in their teams and, and so you basically get out of control mm, no i think that's uh definitely uh good to, good mis or easy mistake to make but a great one to learn from and uh, definitely one to, to benefit on uh on uh, going forward so with that, now we'll jump to the second question, which is, so now if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you give them? Yeah, I love this question because uh, it's something that I think about a lot these days, how actually much more respect I have for people that reach uh, product market fit, so the zero to one. So from nothing to traction, from giving value with your products to people uh, and users. So I think that my observation is that there is no right one way. I would say that I, 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 I would advise people to try to work in the industry that they want to go into and experience some of the pains firsthand. And, and just, it, for example, if you want to be in B2B SaaS, then uh, I, I think it helpful if you work in B2B SaaS uh, to see how, how it feels and looks like and what decisions are and how they are made. But uh, one piece of advice for me is that from me is that I think that there are so many ways to get to, to from zero to one and beyond, then, then you should not look at others and say, well, I'm not doing this or not doing this to do what makes sense for you and try to do, stay, stay curious and open-minded and, and work hard. And, and, but there is no one way to achieve success. It's just millions of decisions that need to be made every, every day almost in, 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 in when you're starting the business and uh, just need to feel what's right for you and try to, 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 do, to do the best. And I still do believe it's, it's almost like a lottery still. You can de-race some, some aspects uh, and you can try to build the best product possible uh, that then you need distribution, marketing, uh, you know, all everything together, the right team. So I would say don't be discouraged. It's all everyone's journey is an individual one. No, I think that's uh, definitely makes sense. Great takeaway and a great piece of advice. So... Well, now Zee, we are wrapping up the episode. If people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Yeah, we are very active on LinkedIn. Uh, so find me on on LinkedIn. Uh, it is, uh, my handle on LinkedIn is B2B underscore SaaS. Or you can find us on LinkedIn also via our LinkedIn page. Uh, Trace.space is, is the domain and the LinkedIn handle. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, connect on LinkedIn, support a great business. If no, nothing else, make a, a new best friend. So 
Well, thank you again, Yavis, or Giannis, for uh, coming in on the or coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of your other listeners that are out there, if you have your own journey to share or share, and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. So just go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show. A couple more things as listeners. Make sure to click share, subscribe, leave us a review. Helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success. And on that note, if you ever need help with or with your startup or small business with patents or trademarks, just go to strategymeeting.com. Grab some time with us to chat. We're always here to help. Well, thank you again, Giannis, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you, Devin, and have a good day, everyone.